Hello and welcome to the Dr. Richard podcast, a show about health, well-being, fitness and humanity. I'm Dr. Richard Marks. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Georgie Swallow. Hello, Georgie. Hiya. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm excited to be here. This is all very exciting for me. So Georgie is a body confidence advocate and also a blood cancer survivor. Tell us three things that make you smile. Oh, I mean, easily the first one has to be my pugs. And I know Aww. that's a really silly one, but it's, yeah. It's so you be have two? Two pugs, Piglet and Tigger. Aww. And they are just the funniest little things. <laughs> like you could be in the worst mood and you just look at them and they'll make you laugh. Rolling around. <laughs> but they are, like they literally are like little sausages with toothpicks. <laughs> and all they do is sit, sleep and snore. And it's the cutest thing. So if you ever want to smile, you've got to find yourself a pug. Aww. I think second word probably be oh oh i'm trying to decide who who do i pick <laughs> kyle or my family <laughs> ooh, no i think kyle so my other half he is a big contributor to what makes me smile and what makes me happy um and i reckon third third is probably the prospect of maybe going skiing this winter for the ooh, first time in a few years that would be nice right i want to go as well uh, well, I think you should. <laughs> yeah, we usually go with our family and mm. um, we usually go to Val d'Isere in France. So. Oh, lovely. I just think with COVID and everything, none of us have really been able to go anywhere, have we? So uh, hopefully this year... And there's year... something magical about skiing, isn't there? The mountains, <sighs> the snow, the food. Oh, the food and the, the mulled life. wine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everything, the, uh, the ski and the upright uh, ski. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I want to go for both, please. But it's just it's just the snow. But we've already had loads of snow already I know, but year. there's something about the mountains so you can't be so much and the, and the clear sky <laughs> yeah. and the air like the I snow think... in the trees and everything Ooh. exactly i always think the air is so clear there and the water's so clear as mm-hmm. well you know it's right from the source you exactly. know exactly basically evian running down <laughs> know, could you imagine just fill up your <laughs> you bottle and off you go <laughs> <laughs> so that's where yeah. they get it from basically so um exactly yeah you couldn't yeah. exactly do that in the thames could you no <laughs> <laughs> unless you want to die <laughs> yeah yeah no recommendations of doing that here <laughs> I want to talk about how we met and obviously when you had your smile makeover done, which was uh, quite a little bit of time ago. Yeah. um, Yeah, obviously that was a different situation then and then, um, you know, things with the health changed afterwards. Um, But I wanted to first talk about also the body confidence and, you know, Mm. how that's important to you and how would you recommend for people to embrace their bodies and how would you recommend starting that? Yeah, I think it's so funny because I I know obviously we'll touch on on like health stuff later, but I only really started like exploring and really trying to embrace my body confidence after being sick. I think when you lose so much time or you get that sort of realisation that, you know, that like silly saying of life is short and all that jazz, when you have that realisation, you don't want to spend any more of it at war with your body or being insecure and that isn't something that's going to go away overnight but for me it was really just having that initial thought of going I don't want to look back in another 10 years and go I wish I'd gone swimming with my friends or I wish I'd worn the shorts in that baking heat and so I think the first place to start is literally just in your head and every time you have that negative Nancy saying you can't wear that or you look silly or oh gosh you don't like this about yourself is and this is what I do is I literally stop myself and say out loud Stop thinking that. Like, stop feeling that way. 
you are allowed to go out and wear a pair of shorts. It's baking hot. I mean, even if it's cold, you can wear them, but maybe wear a coat. But literally saying out loud positive things about yourself. And it's like those affirmations that, you know, you read everywhere. It's, it's actually saying them. And the more you say it, sooner or later, I think the person inside your head's going to listen. Yeah, absolutely. And it's about kind of embracing yourself and kind of like yeah. uh, being happy with that. You exactly. Know. And it's not, you know, I don't think... I don't think anyone every single day of their life is going to be confident and feel great in their body. But it's just about accepting it and embracing your body and being thankful for everything that it does for you. You know, I've been very lucky in the fact that it has carried me through a lot of different health problems now. But it literally, it it's the reason you wake up in the morning. Like your lungs are there giving you oxygen. Your stomach is literally like your little engine. You put your food in and it transperses it to the rest of your body like your body does so many amazing things for you so instead of seeing it as something aesthetic or or you know you're picking it apart for what it looks like take a step back and be like well what does it do for me mm. and I think when you can start like appreciating what it does for you rather than the way that it looks that's when you start being like oh my body's amazing I think yeah attitudes have really changed now as well like yeah. you know you saw the reaction to this whole Tilly Ramsey thing on the <gasps> yes. on Strictly and you know um people don't want to say that anymore and they yeah. don't want to hear those kind of I just think slowly but surely and I think social media is a massive turning point for this is people are really starting to like question the media and go why are you picking apart her weight like what does her body have anything to do with the song that she's singing or why does it matter if this girl looks a certain way for this like your body is quite literally the least interesting thing about a person so why are we over analyzing yeah it why are we making it the only thing that we're talking about and with this and when the um it was the radio presenter wasn't it who mentioned yeah. about tilly ramsey and i just thought what does that have anything to do with what this girl's doing exactly like nothing absolutely diddly squat so how about we just take that little bit out of the equation and just tell the story yeah, like tell what you want exactly. to say and, and concentrate on her talent and the dancing exactly rather than, and, and i especially think especially at that young age oh, you know, to already be getting that you know to already be having that anyone needs really exactly exactly i just don't think anyone needs it and like you said especially at a young age it's just not needed so tell us about raising awareness of the blood cancer and tell us the, the, that story obviously you know, I had met you before yes. everything happened. Or Yeah, it was know, very right? inconvenient timing, I think, especially for my teeth, because I'd just met you and I yeah. wanted to get Do my lovely new teeth. Yeah. And we got about halfway there and then it had to be put on hold because I got cancer, which was very inconvenient for a million reasons. But um, yeah, so I was diagnosed with stage four Hodgkin's lymphoma, um, which is a form of blood cancer. And it's I don't even know why I'm saying this because it's a phrase that I just don't like but it's a very it's not a good cancer to get because there's no good cancer to get but I was lucky in the sense that it's a very treatable cancer mm. so the cancer itself is very aggressive and it's I think it's actually the most common cancer in young adults mm. um, but they can blast you with some very heavy hitting chemo and it's very treatable but unfortunately for me I relapsed mm. a few months later which meant jumping back yeah, on the chemo the train and yeah and having right. a stem cell transplant um so yeah it was the last few years have been very interesting i've spent most of it looking like a boiled egg which i have to admit it's a look 
it is, <laughs> it is a look. Um, but yeah, and it just, I think, coming out the back of being sick and experiencing it and knowing what help I needed and what support charities need, it just... That was when you knew you had to do something. Yeah, and so if I can, and I just think if I can help like one person either get the support that they need or, you know, figure out that they or go to the doctor because they've had problems or things like that, then that will be really good. So I think if everyone can just raise that little bit of awareness of different things and that will be really how Yeah, we'll all just be in a better situation. And so many cancer charities, you know, there are the big ones out there that need that no matter what they still need the funding they need the awareness being raised but there's a lot of smaller charities that do a lot of good work mm. especially for young adults which mm. seems to be like a bit of a gap in the the cancer market i yeah, like yeah. there's a lot going children, on children obviously yeah of, and 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 then somewhat you know elderly. maybe older there's there's a lot of support and a lot of help like there should be but it sort of seems like the young adults are a bit of a a lost yeah a lost area in what you are obviously yeah I think I'm not you know I don't even know if it's a number thing or if it's just a whether obviously you know, with kids it's very emotional oh isn't it, isn't it? Yeah. I just honestly it's the worst and I just think I was diagnosed quite I I personally felt quite young being 26 but I just think imagine and that was hard enough for my parents mm. imagine having a little one yeah it just it's just it's not really fair hard. it's like it should never happen that way but um but no there are loads you got through it obviously. yeah exactly that, that <laughs> <laughs> um but no there are amazing charities like trekstock who support young adults with mm-hmm. cancer and so if I can help raise some awareness and raise some funds for charities like that that's awesome amazing yeah and so how did you get started in the industry obviously was that during the time that you were going through it or was it after you went through both treatments um so i started sharing on instagram my journey of having cancer and what i was going through and the treatment and it was more like my own personal diary than anything else um and slowly but surely you know you connect with other people who have cancer and and it just made me really want to, I don't know, just weirdly like keep sharing everything that I was going through because it just meant that someone else that was going to read it realised that they weren't alone or they weren't so isolated and we were all, you know, in it and together. You, you also and you didn't feel alone Oh as well, my God, though. massively. I think the first thing I did when I got sick was go on Instagram mm. and like search hashtag Hodgkin's lymphoma or hashtag cancer and I found other young women about the same age as me and connected with them because I swear to God, I thought I was the only like mid 20 yeah. year old with cancer. I'd never known anyone with cancer apart from, apart from my nan. Yes. Yeah, but of course. the age difference was a big, yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> big yeah. difference. Yeah. 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 But, um, but yeah, no, I just, and I think Instagram was such an amazing tool because it connected me with loads of other people and other people to me. And then it just sort of like, like snowballed a little bit and 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 it just evolved i guess into it kind of helped you and it helps other people as well and that's well that's the thing is i always quite selfishly thought it only really helped me because it was like my own personal diary i felt like i was just letting everything go into the instagram abyss yeah um and it wasn't until i started connecting with people i was like oh other people, and I hate this, but like other people were feeling something similar or going through something similar and how we can all just help each other in that way was was brilliant. Yeah, because I think there can be some people who almost isolate themselves and mm-hmm. that's the worst thing to do in a way. 
It know? definitely is because, and I also think you don't really know what you need or what you want when you go through a cancer diagnosis. Like when I was diagnosed the first time, I didn't know what to ask from my friends. I didn't know what help I needed. I didn't know like how I wanted them to treat me still. And I felt that that caused a bit of isolation, but like through myself is because I didn't want to be a burden to them or I'd want them to take me to chemo, but I wouldn't really want to ask them. And it wasn't until I was diagnosed the second time that I went, right, I know what I want. I know what I need. My friends are there to help me just talk to them. And I think that's the biggest thing is if you're in a situation where you have cancer or another illness where you feel a bit i say just talk to your friends talk to your family the chances are they really want to be there for you yeah so all you have to do is just start talking to them exactly yeah exactly i think you're right i think people want to help it's just it's you don't know how to yeah exactly and you just think that the person who's sick has got a lot on their plate so the last thing you want to do is like do you want something from me can i do something and and if i like if i say to you oh you know can i help you with something and you think oh well well yeah i do but I don't really want to ask them. I don't like, because then you both just feel a bit at a loss. Exactly. So if someone can just go, so a great thing is, is if you have got friends and family that want to support you, is they can say, you know, do you want me to come over and walk your dog? Do you want me to do your food shop? Like practical things. Do you want me to take you to chemo? They're great things to be able to offer. But then if you are the person who's sick, just ask. Just literally just be like, I need this. I mean, I like I just played the cancer card all the time if I needed help. I was like, yeah. well, you can. Well, <laughs> damn right you can. And you should. <laughs> I plan on still using it for the next ten years. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely. <laughs> yeah. So I wanted to ask you, when did you become a vegan, and how did you find that helped you? What led you to that decision, and um, you know what reasons, and how have you felt since being being vegan? Yeah, I so I turned I turned vegan. It's like turning into like a vampire or something. No, I went I went vegan um, shortly after um, getting into remission from cancer the second time, hmm. and it was partly so. When you have a stem cell transplant, the chemo that they give you can like affect your digestive system because it's quite aggressive and it can destroy the lining. And I was having some gut problems and I just thought, I'm going to try and figure out what some of the triggers are. And I worked out that dairy was one of them and things like if I ate really processed meat, that would affect my stomach. So I just thought, well, I'm going to count those out. And I started then watching the documentaries about animal welfare and the planet and the environment I thought I should really be doing something a little bit more if I can like if I feel like that's you know a lifestyle choice that I would like to do and I so I think this was like January came around and I thought I'm gonna do Veganuary I was like I've got this I can do this um and there were a few trying moments I thought I I don't have this (laughs) um but yeah and it just it just stuck and I never yeah and I never looked back it was it was I don't have a lot of willpower for a lot of things. Mm. And it's the only thing in my life that I can actually be like, oh, I had willpower for that. It's like, mm. um, but I think when like being diagnosed, a lot of people go vegan when they get cancer or a lot of people cut out a lot of stuff because there's a lot of information out there, whether it's right or wrong about cancer and your diet. Um, personally, I didn't pay too much attention about that when I got sick because I just thought I'm sick. The last things I'm going to do is cut out things that I enjoy. I just want to have a nice, (laughs) nice time having Uh, chemo. No, Um, but there's, I mean, there's so much stuff out there, and and I just thought I'm not going to let that cloud my judgment. But then when I started having like 
like gut issues and trying to figure out what dietary things were affecting me I just thought you know what I'm a bit of a sucker for a furry animal as well like yeah. I'm that weird person that's I mean especially with your pug oh it? it's ridiculous honestly I can't if I see I mean you go for a walk in the park if there's like a horse somewhere or a donkey or a I don't know I will be the first one over there just trying to give it a cuddle and I just thought I think this feels like the right thing for me and the right time to do like the right time to take it on so yeah I did Veganuary and it just Stay. it just stuck and well, I really enjoy it I think it's it's a big lifestyle change for a lot of people and there are a lot of benefits but I will never be you know I'm never gonna like preach veganism to anyone but if you are contemplating it I'd give it a go yeah yeah interestingly enough um I also just like a history of stomach and gut yeah our family and um I uh, had so IBS and then yeah. so we're predominantly plant based. And, yeah. And, um, yeah, it's been great. Yeah. Been how great. how do you find it? I actually find it great. Yeah. It's just like you said. Once you start and 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 especially now with there's so many choices. Oh, and so exactly. Many things, it 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 feels good. Yeah. You know what I mean, and um, I kind of went gradual. Yeah. I kind of. Uh, and then started cutting out more things. Yeah. You know, and then, uh, yeah. And now, yeah. It's it just brilliant. feels normal, doesn't it? I mean, I did the same. So I, I went, you know, vegetarian before vegan. And that was because, you know, I didn't want to eat the little animals. And yeah. so I just thought, oh, I'm not, I'm not going to eat meat rather than doing it for any other reason. But then I realized, you know, I'm cutting out dairy for my stomach. I'm cutting out this. And I just thought, well, sod it. Like, let's give it a go. And and so I gradually got into it a bit like you. And I think when you realize that it's not that much different from eating how you were before, like, or getting into the swing of cooking or the recipes that you like, because that's why I got really intimidated by it at first. I was like, what do I actually eat? Do I go outside and get a plate of grass? <laughs> How do people cook like this? And it's not all a million weird and fancy ingredients. It's It can be so simple. And once it becomes second nature, it just... It's just normal. Yeah, you don't really question it, do you? And like you said, like in the restaurants, I mean, some of the options in restaurants now... It's oh. incredible are amazing it's not just a vegan burger anymore it's like proper food <laughs> yeah, it's amazing it's amazing yeah so um talk to us about kind of mental resilience and your journey through this and how you know mm. that how do you keep that and how do you nurture it and how does it help you yeah um keeping it I'll have to answer that short <laughs> note. Um, still finding out. <laughs> still, still finding the answer to that one. Um, no, I, like anyone who I think goes through something traumatic, can have problems with their mental health. Afterwards, I think so many of us post-COVID have experienced it as well. Like people who'd never experienced, you know, poor mental health before. They went through, what was it, our like 24th lockdown and went, oh God, I'm actually struggling a bit. So, so many of us now are realizing that mental health is a priority to look after and for me it was coming out the back of being sick the second time and I just I struggled a lot with what I'd been through there was a lot of trauma a lot of sickness a lot of hospital time and and it's something that I'm still working on now and I'll have days where I feel very low and very anxious and it's just recognizing that in those moments that you don't like that isn't you like that isn't like as much as it feels like it's all encompassing in that moment you are not depression you are not anxiety you are not that like you just have to remember there are ways to get out of it so for me it's going out for 
a walk, like literally getting fresh air. The minute the fresh air hits me, I'm like, okay, I can actually breathe. And it's distraction. Mm. And I'm not sure if that's the, you know, what a therapist would say, but for me, it's just distract yourself. If you're feeling all a bit lost, go out for a walk, like the pugs obviously instantly help. Even things like, I don't know, like do a puzzle, call a friend, make yourself a cup of tea or run a hot bath, like anything that's just going to take your mind off that current like situation and yeah that isn't going to work all the time sometimes you're just going to want to get into bed like put your fluffy socks on and just stay there and watch like rom-coms for the rest of the day do that i think you just have to listen to your body listen to yourself exactly it's interesting two things through that one um in the cold weather, you kind of think, oh, I don't want to go out. Oh, it's the last thing in you want to way, do. <laughs> when you do, you know, wrap up and actually go and get yeah. fresh air, you feel better. Instantly, isn't yeah. it? And I so think like... I I can get into a habit of staying in my flat and then being alone and then everything starts feeling worse. And I think that's so common for so many people, especially working from home. Mm. If you live by yourself, you're already struggling. It can just get quite heavy. But the minute you actually open the door step outside it's like this just it's just a bit of a release isn't it so yeah. i like my biggest thing is always get fresh air but also ask for help mm. i think i mean i was guilty of this for so long of feeling really down struggling with my mental health but not actually doing anything about it call your gp if you've had counseling before like book another slot i know it's hard because it's waiting lists and things like that but the sooner you get to the gp and the sooner you start talking about it the sooner you're going to get help, you know, reach out to your parents or your friends, someone that you can trust and you can just say, look, I need to open up about some things that are weighing me down or, or making me feel heavy and and just talking about it. Because the more you normalise it, the more it'll feel like it's actually something achievable to, you know, to help. And Yeah, it's like yeah. also um, on that, it's like you're kind of making the problem lighter because as more you bottle it up, yeah. the kind of heavier it gets. And then that's when they say, exactly. you know everything gets too much but if you can once you start talking yeah that it all gets what is it a problem shared is a problem half exactly so the more you talk about it and it's it's uncomfortable it's we haven't been brought up in a way that's you know easy to talk about yeah it is and even though i think in this current time you know everyone's talking about their mental health so much more it's still actually really difficult to sit down with someone and say this is what i'm going through but once you do, it's like you said, like you'll just be able to empty off your your exactly. vase a bit and exactly. and hopefully get exactly. a bit more room in to help. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's especially true with like British. You know, it's the British. stiff up a lip. Yeah. Like, and it's, it's I'm literally the most. <laughs> this is kind of trying to turn the British way around. Exactly, you know I mean? and like I. I haven't been brought up with a stiff up a lip by any means. Like I'm the most sensitive, emotional, probably like oversharing human out there but I still don't find it comfortable talking to everyone about like what's actually going on in my head and that's for someone who's actually you know quite happy oversharing so for a lot of like we say like British people who haven't been brought up in a like I don't know a I can't think of what the word is. Yeah, well, you know, uh, obviously, like, you know, people think that maybe Americans or whatever find it easier to speak about the problem at all. They're more brought up to do that. But, yeah, well, that's it. But it's probably, and this is it, isn't it? You know, it's such a generalised thing to say because it's probably just as hard for them to say it too. Yeah, yeah. I think we all probably struggle with our mental health at some point and especially talking about it. But the biggest thing for me is just talk about it. Literally, find a friend, find someone you trust, go to your GP and just 
let it all out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what I what I found really difficult was because um, I'm the eldest child and oh. and there's eight children and I always felt like eight. There's eight of us. Yeah. Wow, that's a big family. <laughs> it's a big family. <laughs> that's amazing. I love that. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> um, yeah, and I always felt like, oh, you have to be strong and you've got to be kind of strong and you mm. know uncompromisingly strong. Then I realised actually, it's not necessarily weakness to kind of deal with your emotions and you know exactly no that's that's so so right and imagine being an eldest sibling of especially like that many like you you look at like you feel and I imagine they see you as someone who is like not an authority figure but like someone who is to look up to yeah exactly and so you think right I have to be this strong and and you know yeah exactly secure person when really it's like no one is like that and for you to be able to open up and and let down those you know break down the walls and and share that it's okay to actually work on stuff that you're struggling with it's gonna help them too because they're gonna go oh I can do that too exactly which is brilliant exactly yeah yeah the other thing I think um uh, with all these things is uh, people kind of we talked about kind of isolating yourself mm. and it makes me realize that also you know we're social creatures really yeah. and, you know obviously pe- some people are introverts and they quite like their home comfort and you know they enjoy that but I think still whatever happens we're made to be with others so yeah. that's why all of this kind of things from the pandemic and the you know that that yeah. isolation is is so difficult because it's not the way that we're meant to it's be. It's not, is it? I mean, I so I had to shield, so I was inside my house for such a long time, and I'm a very social person. Like I love being around other people, and as much as I loved, you know, being in my house with my my pugs, it wasn't enough. But when it came time to actually start seeing people again. I was, that like, was hard. I was like, I don't want to see anyone. I was like, I haven't had a conversation with anyone face to face for so long. This, I can't do it. I didn't and know then, whether to hug and and then I, oh if someone god. went to hug, I was like, what? you're like, oh my god, do we do touch? I run the like, other yeah, exactly. <laughs> I am. Um, I think I've only like just started hugging people again because it just pure out of like, I don't know. Do you want me to do touch I, you? Do like, do I want you to touch me? I like, what is happening? And it's the weirdest thing. Like nowadays, like when you greet your friends, you, like pre-pandemic, you just go. In for a cuddle wouldn't you whereas now it's do I have your permission to give you a cuddle are you comfortable with this and it's it's so strange but obviously you have to make sure everyone's comfortable and everyone feels safe but going from no human contact to human contact again was so strange it, it was the strangest thing but now it feels so normal if now they it's... told us that we had to go into a lockdown again i'd be like can't do it nah. can i lock down with all of my friends please exactly. <laughs> can we just isolate 24 exactly <laughs> just have to get a really big house, big house. it'll be fine <laughs> but yeah talk about your partner and family and how they've been important to you um because i think yeah. that you your partner only had been with you for a short time as well. Yeah. And obviously, I yeah, was speaking to you at shot. the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, bless him. So we had been dating for a few months, you know, getting to know each other, but we'd only, you know, done that official label uh, maybe like a couple of weeks before I was diagnosed. So my experience of getting, you know, realising that I was sick to diagnosis was literally like a week or two. It was really, really quick. And... We were meant to be going away for a weekend to Bath, I think, and I get a call 
on the Friday morning, look, you have to come in and see us this afternoon. I said, look, I'm going to Bath. Can this not can this not wait? So no, you have to come in. So me and Kyle, my other half, we drive to the hospital. And I thought, right, well, we'll do this appointment, then we'll then we'll head down to Bath. <laughs> um, little did I know they were going to tell me I had cancer. Wow. And I remember that weekend and I said to him, I was like, look, we've only been dating a couple of weeks and we were friends beforehand. And I said, if this isn't, you know, what you signed up for, this is perfectly fine if you just want to go back to being friends because it's chemo, it's hospital, it's out of work, it's hair loss, it's a whole life change. And I just felt like I was just going to be such a burden on him. And he literally turned around and was like, it's fine. Like, wow. No, but like it was like water off a duck's back. It was so casual. And I and I felt really bad because any time that I spoke about this throughout treatment with anyone, I said, give it a couple of weeks, he'll dump me. Give it a couple of weeks, <laughs> we won't be together. Give it a And I constantly thought, like, in a minute, this is going to be too much for him. And he never faltered. He wow. was at the hospital with me. He came to chemo with me. He, he was the one that shaved my head. Mm. Um, which I think he got far too much enjoyment out of, actually. <laughs> um, but yeah, he was just amazing. And then so when I got diagnosed the second time, I mean, I didn't even give him the option then. So just stuck with me now. It had been a lot of two weeks by then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it definitely had. But he honestly, he just treated me like me, mm. which was really nice. That's the nice. best thing. Yeah. That's the best thing and that's the hardest thing. It's not treating someone like a cancer patient. Yeah. And the thing is, is is I looked and I felt and I lived the life of a cancer patient. So how he could take away, you know, that from, can we just have yeah. a normal relationship Because that's too? really important. I've heard that from other people mm-hmm. that you're you, you're not. You're still the, there. You're not the yeah. cancer. Like it's, it's you first, not the Exactly. And yes, you may need a bit more help or you may, you know, things may, you won't be down the pub till one in the morning with your mates, but you'd still like to go to the pub. Mm. You'd just be there for an hour or maybe your friend can take you or like you are still you. Exactly. Like you haven't changed. You've just, you just may have, you know, gotten a bit thinner on top and a new haircut, <laughs> new haircut. <laughs> um but no carl bless him he, wow, he really, that's amazing he really was really amazing. amazing and and i challenged him a lot i really did and because... how long have you been together now so now it'll be about three and a half years wow i think yeah so literally amazing. it was like from day dot it was like cancer wow. and now and and you got a little family with the pugs oh my god yeah <laughs> we actually it was so funny we went on a um like a festive Christmas dog walk on the weekend Aww. because what else do you do? <laughs> and we had some pictures taken of us two in our Santa hats, the <laughs> pugs in their Christmas jumpers. And I thought, oh my God, this is like one of those horrible, like like dressed up Christmas people cards. People love that. People love I it. I love it. <laughs> I, like, I hate to admit it, but I love it. And I'm sitting there being like, oh my God, what are we doing? And secretly inside, I'm like, this is the best the day best ever. ever. <laughs> <laughs> That's so um, cute. But no, bless him. He was amazing. My family were amazing. I mean, my poor parents. Obviously, I know your mum. <laughs> yes, you do. Um, she is very excited to be having her smile makeover with you as well. She's amazing. Oh well, I'm biased, so I'm glad you think so too. Yeah, <laughs> um, absolutely. No, my poor mum. So when I got sick, I was living with my mum, and it was like for her, it must have been like having a four-year-old in the house again because she had to drive. So I, I was too. So I couldn't drive anymore because I ended up being too weak to drive. So she had to drive me everywhere. She she would look after me. She'd cook my dinners. She'd change my bed. She'd do much. Like, she did so much. And it must have been like having a toddler in the house again, which 
Some days I think she kind of liked. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But other days I'm sure she got very fed up. <laughs> but um, no, my mum and my dad have been have been brilliant. Like it, I don't know how I would have done it without them. That's for sure. Like, and still, and even now, I mean, I still I probably play the cancer card more than I should. But they're still they're still very much there for me when I need it, even if I don't play the card. <laughs> Oh, that's good. How do you think that your journey, we've kind of spoken about this a little bit, mm. but how do you think that your journey um, and personal story and message can inspire and help others going through similar situations? Um, I just, ho- I just hope it helps more than anything. I think partly to know that you're not the only person on this planet going through something like this. Um, like we've spoken about before, it can feel really isolating and to know that you're not alone and someone else gets it is amazing because... This is like, I I mean, the whole getting it thing, you know, I would say to my mum, oh, I, you know, I hate having no hair. It makes me really sad. And all she'll want to do is try and comfort me and make me feel better. And whereas if I said that to another friend who'd lost their hair through cancer, they would just make a joke and cheer me up about it. Yeah. And sometimes that's what you need. It's you need good the having people... the different people. Exactly. Around. You need the people who get it and know what you're feeling because there's only so much that you can really describe to someone who hasn't, hasn't been, been through, through it. it. Uh-huh. Whereas someone who has, you can just have a bit of a joke and there's an underlying understanding. So... If I can just help someone else realise that, you know, they're not alone through this and that would be amazing. And I just think as difficult as a cancer diagnosis is, there's always a reason to smile somewhere. Like there's always something that you can be positive about. And I'm not saying you have to like pull your positive pants on and be happy, go lucky through a cancer treatment, but try and focus on the little things that will make you smile. And I hope that's maybe like a little bit of the energy I can put out there. Like yeah. when I was going to chemo, I went to chemo in like fancy dress. <laughs> I would compare my bald head to anything and everything in the sh- I mean, I was in Harrods with my mum once and I think we were in like, I want to say it was maybe like the Christmas section. They had these giant baubles and I was literally just running around the shop like a child, like comparing my head to everything. And my mum was absolutely wetting herself. But I could see other people in the shop being like, what is going on there? <laughs> but I just think you have to, you just have to, I don't know, have fun with it if you can. And and hopefully, hopefully I can inspire, inspire that. Yeah, definitely. Inspire a little bit of that. Exactly. You're always smiling in a really good and fun presence. And I think that's it. And that's yeah. that's the way to be. Oh no, it's 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 if anyone's listening and is going through something similar, like don't worry, it's okay if you have down days. But whenever you feel like that little glimmer of happiness, just grab it go and with run it. with it. Like wherever it takes you, just go with it. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Yeah. So, yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit about your future plans. Obviously, we talked about you you're skiing. Is there anywhere else you want to go? Oh my God. Or where, where would be plans. your dream places to travel that you haven't been yet? Oh, okay. Oh, how long have we got? <laughs> <laughs> we can just set another just, hour. Yeah, time. <laughs> we're just going to sit and talk about holidays now. Um, I it's funny when I well when I when I when I finished being sick I was like right I need my downtime to get better but then I want to just go on a year's worth of holidays like pack a bag and disappear and then obviously COVID hit and ruined all of those plans so now next year next year's the one but I think I think my top place I'd love to go oh well South Africa so mm-hmm. Kyle is South African mm-hmm. um so we've been meaning to go for a few years now and hopefully we'll be going there for a friend's wedding but I would love to see th- South Africa I think mm-hmm. I've heard amazing things about the country mm-hmm. um I've been before have you it's amazing yeah especially the uh 
Obviously, there's the wildlife. There, yeah. Kruger and I just want to go on like a really big safari and oh, yeah. meet That's a giraffe. Special. <laughs> One funny thing about um, safari is because uh, in the mornings, it's actually very cold. Firstly, they encourage you to get up early because yeah. it's better to be really early. Oh, We're my talking goodness. like four, five, six, eight, oh. pretty early. Oh, I can't go. <laughs> <laughs> no. And then the other thing is you have to actually take kind of a warmer clothes because yeah. before the sun rises sometimes depending on what time of year it is it's actually quite cold in the morning oh my god so um, you just wouldn't even think that would no. you you think it would just be boiling from yeah but i think that's the best time to see the animals because they're up in the morning doing things yeah. rather than just kind of Nothing. laying around and yeah <laughs> kind of trying to hide and, and camouflage yeah and stuff. so that's the time where you really see more more yeah. things happen i'd love i'd love to do that have you got anywhere on your list that you've never been before that you'd like to go well we were talking about iceland <laughs> i would love to go there is that where you is this a silly question is that where you can see the northern lights in yeah yeah iceland and norway <gasps> the, the northern lights oh i'd love to see those yeah that seems pretty magical doesn't yeah. it do you think you'll manage to tick off your iceland trip next year well definitely at some point yeah <laughs> hopefully next hopefully, year fingers hopefully crossed year. yeah another one um, i have been before but japan um, <gasps> that is so on my list yeah it's something again it's like that's so different yeah what we know you know and that's a complete so different good. cultural lifestyle and everything isn't it exactly because <gasps> whatever happens europe still has similarities but that mm -hmm doesn't <laughs> yeah so i remember i think my dad went there not very long ago and he doesn't speak japanese and you'd go into a restaurant and he would have no idea what he was ordering and he'd literally look at someone else's table and go can i have can i have what they're having please and just <laughs> and just wing it but okay. i just think how much fun is that's that that's the way to go yeah. i think that's what people find so surprising is actually you think oh this is an international city but actually it's a Japanese city. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's no like English menu or English road sign. Like you've just got to go with it. <laughs> you've just got to go with it. But that kind of makes it more fun. Like exactly. Well, it's the whole point of travel, isn't it? It's experience okay. different cultures and different environments. And, and hopefully we're all going to be doing that again really soon. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, that's why I think it's so diff difficult because um, travel is one of those things that kind of enriches people mm. and gets them to open their and broaden their horizons. Yeah. And we only realise that we need that when we don't not Once able it's been to have taken it. away yeah, yeah absolutely and it kind of makes your whole world a little bit smaller obviously yeah and, exactly and it's uh, funny you, i don't think i ever realized how much i i really i mean i say needed quite loosely but like needed a holiday until you can't have they one. said you can't go in and instantly you go, oh, i'm i'm dying to get away but i have spent the last year going on like little staycations in the uk which is fun, hey? And I have to admit, like, there are some incredible places here, definitely. which I will carry on going to now. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, big, a big fan of English holidays. Cotswolds, oh, Bath, and, as you mentioned. Oh, my God, yeah, and Cornwall. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm a sucker for anything by incredible. the coast. Incredible. Yeah. Thanks for joining me, Georgie. Um, you can follow her out on app Georgie E Swallow. <laughs> And um, links to her and the other things and the charities as well, we'll put in the notes. Thank you. Um, thanks for listening. If you like today's show, please rate and review wherever you get your podcast. It was presented by me, Dr. Richard Marks. And for more about me and my clinic, I'm on at Dr. Underscore Richard Underscore or visit www.drrichardlondon.com.
Culture Witcher podcast is a Pod People production. It was recorded at Spiritland Studios and the music is by Delhi Music. And we will see you next time.